Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through the, lazy, the steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday RPG. In this case, I am running a homebrew Numenera game called The Fourth Emperor. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. Patrons of Sly Flourish get access to all kinds of exclusive material, exclusive content, free adventures, a Discord, uh, dedicated Discord channel, and all kinds of other stuff. But most of all, they help me put on shows like this. So to the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much for your support. Holy cow, did some crazy things happen in my last game. The biggest, I last game, something happened that made the biggest change to any RPG I have ever played. Of all of the crazy things that can happen in a game, I've never had anything happen in the middle of a session that has dramatically affected a campaign as much as happened last week. And let me share that, that tale. And there's a lot of information about this that I think can really help us all think about how we run RPGs because it changed radically. And I think other many GMs, I think might've been crushed under the weight of what occurred and not have any idea how to deal with it. And instead I felt like I was good and we ran with it. And I think it's going to be really, really cool. So last week, the characters were in the Vault of Tacrin. The Vault of Tacrin is like this crazy ancient vault where a very powerful being known as Tacrin, who's kind of like a Numenera version of a lich, was had his psychosis like flying, or his, his psycho having his like his like personality floating through virtual worlds. And they were there to pick up some nanites, a canister of nanites that they were going to use to save one of their friends who, who, received, who was going to receive the nanites and who was being essentially brainwashed by the fourth emperor, this very powerful super, uh, super entity and its heralds who are these other powerful entities that are trying to, trying, to, trying to control the world. The whole plot is that the fourth emperor is coming to the world. The fourth emperor had been around and wants to control all life. It is an extra planar being that exists both in physical world, in the beyond or in the outside, which is like the outer planes and in cyberspace uh, called the data sphere all at the same time. And it's people, it had remnants and the remnants are starting to wake up. And they learned, so the characters while they're going through the vault learned a lot of things. They learned about the Hex. They learned about a group that actually got rid of a, a another super powerful entity that essentially wiped out the Fourth Empire with pure chaos. That while the Fourth Emperor was controlling life down to the cellular level, the Hex said, basically did a full refresh. And they learned that the Hex was actually remnants of what the Fourth Empire had been doing. Right. And that the, the hex is still around somewhere. There are vaults that contain the hex. So that was like a big deal. So then they're wandering around the vault and they go to, they knew that there was this powerful creature they were going to have to face known as the dissector. And the dissector was going to, you know, like it rips the cyber and rips any ciphers or any kind of electrical components, any kind of non-organic pieces out of organic things, throws the organic stuff away and keeps the electrical stuff, which means it's going to take like people and rip them apart. It will also do it even if you don't have anything in you, it will probably still rip you apart looking for it. So it's a bad thing. It's a great, big, powerful creature. So the characters knew that they had to go through the vault and, and they knew they were going to have to face this thing. They're, they're trying to figure out where it is. I rolled randomly to determine where it is. They went into this old broken down laboratory and there it is and it's fighting them now one of the players had picked up a cipher from an earlier thing that they had destroyed called the mystery box 
And the mystery box really says like you don't know what's in it or what it does. It's this object. And in this case, it was actually a biological object. It was it was formed from another creature. This was a random roll on the cipher table. So the odds of them getting the mystery box was one in 200, right? Because there's two different cipher tables, 100 list each. This is from uh, the Arthur, the Arthur C. Clarke book from Numenera. So one in 200 chance of getting this box. And he got the box. The box has, I think, one in 20 different things that it could do when you crush it, right? Somewhere in there. I think it was another D100 list, but it wasn't a full D D100. So then they're fighting this thing. And he says, I'm pulling out that box and I'm using it. And he crushes it, right? And I'm like, okay, let's roll. And I roll on it and I look down and I'm like, oh my God. And he's like, what? And I'm like, hang on a sec. I got to think about this. And I'm like, you know, and they're like, ooh, what happened? And I'm like, so good news is you look up and there's no, there's no disintegrator. There's no, there's no dissector there anymore. And they're like, great. And I said, and you remember those like organic creatures that it would get, it was carrying in and threw in the pile. There was these bodies of these other creatures that it had just recently fought and killed. And it just tossed the bodies to the side. And like, yeah, like those have decayed to the points where they are just bones. And they're like, really? And they look around and, and they're like, Oh my God. And I'm like, you know, and then they see they, they had picked up this, this mechanical skull, this, this, this chrome skull. And the skull is like a giant walkie talkie that can talk to the, the talk to the crazy lich dude. Right. And he's like, and they, and they realized like they had dropped the skull before they had used the, the, the thing. Right. And then they went, and one of them was like, how long has it been since we were? And it said, where the hell have you been? And they're like, how long has it been? And they said, 14 months. And they're like, we just jumped 14 months into the future. And, and it's like, yeah, and things have changed, right? And they're like, oh my God. And I said, let's take a break right there, right? It was right at the halfway mark of the game. And I'm like, let's take a break. And I go upstairs, my wife is upstairs. And I'm like, they just jumped 14 months in the future of the campaign, 14 months. Right. And she's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I need to figure out in 10 minutes what's happened in 14 months. And I started writing things down. I'm like, well, this probably would have taken place and this probably would have taken place and this probably would have taken place. And part of me thought like, maybe I don't want to do this. Like I could have like re-roll, right? Roll something else, right? That would have been the easiest thing in the world to do. Roll again. That's too crazy. But I was like, wow, how cool would that be? Right. If that works, it'll be phenomenal. And I'm like, you know, so then I came back and I said, I did my, let's pause for a minute. I said, let's pause for a minute. Are we okay as, as players, right? I go, there's, there's only, and here's a real tricky, but two of the players weren't there, right? But four players were. And I said, here's a tricky bit. Are, you know, are we, as players, are we good with the plot jumping 14? I said, it won't end the campaign. It's not going to, you're not, it's not going to make the whole game suck, right? Like, it's just going to be different recognizing that the story is going to take this massive turn. Are we all good with that having happened? And they're like, yeah, sure. If you can do it, we can do it. And I'm like, okay, game on. Right. And I jumped 14 months in the future and I sat down and I wrote a list of the things that, that I thought would take place. I had to come up with this really quickly. Right. And I, I wrote this list, but actually I have a, I have a better list because I, I wrote one a little bit later because I had to explain it to the other players who weren't there. So at right then during that session and then slightly afterwards when I was writing up the email to the other players to explain what was going on, particularly because I think the other two players said we were not there, which meant 
two of the characters have spent 14 months doing things while the other four characters jumped like it was a second, right? And that is freaking awesome, right? It is really, really cool, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be a little hard for the players, certainly, and it's hard for me. But so I kind of sat down and said, what are the things that happened over 14 months? And I said, so one of the things they were doing is trying to, they, they knew that these skybreakers were just starting up. These are these huge machines that are changing the atmosphere into methane because that's what the fourth emperor likes. And they've now been running for 14 months, which means when the characters came out and sniffed the air, they could smell methane in the air. It had changed enough of the atmosphere already that now the atmosphere is beginning to change, right? People are, aren't feeling real great. You know, but they're getting used to it, but it's not great. And, and eventually many of the people will die off because they can't, they can't survive breathing methane. So the skybreakers are now up and running and have changed the atmosphere enough that the whole planet's atmosphere smells a little bit like methane because it's changed enough. The heralds are settled across the whole steadfast. All of the governments that used to exist there, including the queen, are gone. The civic centers for the cities, including Bodrov, were destroyed by satellite firing missiles. They are smoking ruins. The queen is dead, right? The queen that ran the, 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 the whole area, she's gone. The voice of the fourth appeared. This is a human being named Kavix. Kavix sends his holographic projection of himself to say, hey, everybody, I'm like you. And trust me, it's going to be great working for the fourth emperor. It's going to be great. Terrence, their, 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 their patron is dead, right? Was disintegrated by an Orgolian. And his last words when he turned to one of the other characters is there was, don't worry. And then he was disintegrated, right? McKenna, the Angulan knight, who's been this real hardcore knight, she died. She fought and killed six Orgolian soldiers. Uh, Orgolian soldiers, like the foot soldiers of the fourth emperor. She killed six of them before they killed her right in a big battle and then she died Maeve who is the mother of one of the characters and is the head of the Aeon priests she ended up releasing the two people that that were servants of the fourth emperor and agreed to work with the fourth emperor through them rather than risk the destruction of the rest of the city and the, and its people she's trying to figure she's trying to figure out how to help people survive right but it's like an occupation, right? Faradon, the first, the, the one that they had, had sent its transmission and has been repairing the temple. It spent 14 months refixing up the temple. Probably hasn't succeeded yet. Mostly because it doesn't have the nanites to do so. And no one, no in the 14 months, no one has discovered the secret Virtus that the characters have beneath Badrov. It's hidden away. And no one seems to care about their clubhouse. Like one thing about the, the, the beings of the fourth emperor is that they, the fourth emperor is so arrogant. It doesn't really pay attention to small things. It doesn't pay attention to six people. It's paying attention to millions of people people so six people that whether they have a base or not they have not had their attention the, the attention of the fourth empire is not so great that it's that it's called there so holy cow right like for a 14 month jump in a campaign so i want to get to like where i think the style of I, i'm 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 pitching the style of the lazy d i'm probably giving it more credit than it probably deserves but I have to give a lot of credit to the style that I've run games to be able to do this sort of thing. And the, the thing that has had the biggest effect is running an organic campaign by focusing on things like who are the main villains? What are they trying to accomplish? What steps are they trying to do to accomplish them? By thinking about the story as an organic thing and not building a campaign that was built around what the characters are going to do. Right. I never really thought much about the characters are going to do this. Then they're going to do this. Then they're going to do this. It meant that when all of a sudden the clock on the campaign shifted 14 months, all I had to do was progress those steps.
All I had to do was say, they were going to do this, now they've done this. They were going to do this, now they've done this. And when you build situations, when you think about things in the world and you build situations, so example is, I really expected the characters were going to go to this town called Scarlet Watch, and they were I was going to run like a Seven Samurai adventure there. Scarlet Watch is gone, right? Like it's occupied. The people that were there, they're gone because the characters never helped them. Right. And since the characters never helped them, that that place is now occupied. Right. It is an occupied town. There's probably still people from Scarlet Watch who live there. But like all of the uh, all of the people who are nano approved, they disappeared. And maybe that can still be maybe today. That'll be a thing they can do. Right. But I think jumping that whole period of time is really good. So, yeah, uh, Boyd Jagan says, did you have fronts established? I did. I mostly had one big front, but I've had like other side things, too. And all I had to do was turn those events forward and the whole storyline fell in. So. By keeping my head around that, I think it really helped me make that 14-month jump and not get crushed under the idea of what the hell am I going to do now, right? Which is very easy to do. And to me, it's this design, it's a design idea of like, what is a robust camp? What is a, what is a, robust isn't the word I want. The opposite of fragile, a resilient. What is a resilient campaign compared to a fragile campaign, right? And you can look at it and say like, if something major happens, Will the campaign still work? And an example of a fragile kind of mini campaign would be like a mystery. Oh, my campaign depends upon the fact that this one guy remains a, remains a mystery to the characters, that they don't know that this dude that they know is actually the main bad guy or is a, an agent of the main bad guy. If your campaign is dependent upon that and the characters figure it out, you're in trouble. And the example of a robust, or I keep saying robust, another example of a resilient campaign I ran was uh, a Ghost Assault Marsh, which had a lot of mystery in it, right? And it had this secret organization, the Scarlet, the Scarlet, what are they called? I, I keep wanting to say Scarlet Watch, but it's not Scarlet Watch. I have another Scarlet, it's another Scarlet group. Right. Somebody remind me what the Scarlet group is. So there's this group of villains that were operating in the background. Right. But one of the players, the Scarlet Brotherhood. So the Scarlet Brotherhood is operating in the background and they had all these like spies everywhere and secret things. And some of them, the characters knew about some of them. They were worried like, is that person? And then the characters allied with a vampire and the vampire said, hey, I charmed like three people. And they told me the entire network of Scarlet Brotherhood people here. <laughs> right because like all i did was charm them and say hey who's who you work for oh i work for this guy and then he, he brought one in he's like hey you're a secret member of the scarlet brotherhood right he said he brought in a character the character an npc the characters knew and he said like who are you and she's like oh my name's ograv i'm the I, I'm, I'm a dwarf that works for the dwarven group and she goes who are you really and she goes oh well, actually my name is so-and-so and i'm a member of the scarlet brotherhood and then vampire smiles at the characters and says who do you work for and he goes oh i actually the, the head the head guy is named so-and-so and he operates in this place he's actually the butler of one of the other dudes and then, and then he smiles at the characters again and they're like oh my god like he within like three seconds he dismantled the entire scarlet brotherhood network the game was great, right? And the campaign rolled on. They knew who they were. So if the whole campaign would have been crushed by the idea that the great mystery was resolved in 30 seconds, that's not a resilient campaign. If the campaign can turn into something really interesting and fun anyway, that is a resilient campaign. So this is a, it's like, is, is your campaign fragile or is your campaign resilient? And examples are, if certain people are discovered or are killed early, can the campaign go on? right? If the time changes, if you jumped a year in the future, you know, like 14 months in the future, it's pretty random because it was like a one in, I don't know what, like one in a, you know, almost like a one in a thousand chance of this, one in 2000 chance of this happening, right? Can you, can, can it keep moving forward, right? Can your, could your campaign survive a 14 month jump? 
that's not the perfect identifier of like whether or not you have a resilient campaign or whether you have a fragile campaign, but it's something to think about. And like, I wasn't expecting this to happen and it happened and yet here we are. So I thought that was really fascinating. It really, I mean, it's like I said, I've never had a campaign have something like this happen. You can tell how excited I am about this, right? And I'm not scared. I think it's going to be great. There's, there's a lot of things we got to figure out, right? A lot of stuff to do, but it's all going to be good. So let's set up our campaign because i gotta run a session today all this is great but i've got to run a session today 10 april 2022 sunday numenera so let's take a look at our characters today because things have changed and i've talked to some players about their changes so the four characters who made the jump were Biko, jad juniper and samji all of them made the leap right nakia and Nakia and Cecilia did not make the jump. They both, they both were, have been around for 14 months doing stuff. So a big question is like, what have they been doing for 14 months? Now, a really interesting thing about Cecilia is Cecilia's origin, her, 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 her species, I guess it's a species because she's kind of like a, she's like a bee person. Her whole species is like, I only had... 16 months to live anyway i was going to transform into something else after 16 months and now that's going to happen in a month or two months right 15 months i think she said so she's like i think i'm going to be dead in a month and i think that's like the natural progress in my character and i was like wow like you don't want to spend a lot of time traveling right so but I think she she really jumped on that idea. Like I think and I don't you know I mean we've only chatted over Discord. I am pretty sure she's okay with it. I think so. Right. But that idea, like, I think my character is going to be dying soon. And I'm like, oh, wow, that is crazy. Right. So that's Cecilia. Uh, Biko, Intuitive Jack Who Rides the Lightning, is played by Pat. Jad the Shade, the meddlesome Jack who exists partially a phase. Meddlesome is right because he was the one that activated the thing that jumped 14 months. We have Cecilia mentioned. We have Juniper, the cheerful nano who possesses a shard of the sun. She's a fantastic character. Nakia, benefit Jack who acts without consequences. He's been around, but what's he been doing? And then we have Samji1138, who is a uh, protective glaive who fuses flesh and steel, played by Jay. Yeah, so the strong start is 14 months later, right? And I don't know, I, do I have a, a particular event? Uh, a particular event that occurs? Probably, I think the arrival and message of the voice, what's he called? By the way, uh, if you're wondering what software I am using to do my campaign planning, I am using Notion. I have been using Notion to do campaign planning for like 18 months, almost two years now. I love it. If you want to learn more, there are links in the show notes below. If you are on Twitch, I will post a link right now. Or somebody can somebody post a link to the... Somebody please post a link to the Notion stuff. And if anybody is asking during the show, let them know. Uh, you can type exclamation mark Notion and it will let them know what we're doing. So the uh, he is known as the Speaker of the Fourth. The message of Kavex, the speaker of the fourth. And what is the main points of his message? I've been I've been promoting the same messages and they're getting kind of stale, which is some of you are going to be able to serve. So I think I think the heretic queen is dead. Is one is one message. The heretic queen is dead. The our heralds now control the land you once called the steadfast and will soon control the beyond you may be you may have been having headaches these are normal consider them part of 
your payment for the glory of serving the fourth emperor. Any other valuable information? Another city? Let's have another city blow up. Let's blow up a city for funsies. So we're going to go to the Steadfast. And let's see. Actually, I want to try to find a map. Do I have a Numenera map? Is there a map somewhere? I guess a setting might have a picture of the map. Can I even read it? So where is Badrav? Maybe he shows, right? I think he's going to show. So the, the city that the queen resides in. So there's Badrav. But the main city is Charmand, right? I think he's going to blow up Charmand. Shows the destruction of Charmand. I think that'll be cool. Any other, the idea is like, you know, the fourth empire has satellites floating around that are filled with like kinetic bombs that they can just drop on a city and blow them up, right? Any other, any other pieces of information that this herald, that not a herald, the speaker for the fourth can, can describe repairs to the temple of Faradon are almost complete. Our sisters, may uh, not Maeve, but Kimley, and the other sister, a new one, Sanad, oversee the operation. Of course, under the eye of Faradon. Any other, I think that that's pretty good because I think we're going to have to spend a fair bit of time on, you know, what's been going on with the characters, right? So we have a message from the speaker. I'm not sure which players are here, right? It would, I, I think one of them is still out of town. So I don't know that we're going to be able to get a lot from the it's possible both of them are because both of the people that were out last week, they both by, might both be out this week too. I'm not sure. So we'll have to see. Where are the characters now? Uh, and then they have some choices about what they want to do. Right? And one is log in to the local data sphere. And then they'll see that Terrence is alive in the data sphere. He found a way to transfer a full neural copy of his brain into the data sphere and he still exists in there. And he's sort of locked locally, right? He's sort of tied locally. He can't sort of travel ever, anywhere. I think that would I think that would work. They still have so Terrence let's see the secret and clue, right? Terrence. Terrence the Explorer is alive in the data sphere as a copy of his own persona. He is, unfortunately, locked to the data sphere in his office. Nikia Kimley and Sanad have returned to the Temple of Faradon to complete its repair under the eye of the herald the town of scarlet watch has been overtaken by Araglian's soldiers their nano 
nano-touched people, their nano-touched citizens have been taken to X for processing. So there's another place where they are being taken. So we can still do a little bit of a Seven Samurai. The only difference is that it's, a, it's already an existing occupied city. What other... That's secrets, but that you know, choices. Go to the Temple of Faradun and save Kimli. Uh, go to Scarlet Watch and break the occupation and save their nano-touched citizens. That is an option two. What else... What else can they do? Is there any other kind of fun? I don't need to have three options. I think this is fine. They, they think just having these two, like, let's, you know, life's hard, man. Like I just, I just had a campaign jump 14 months. I don't need three solutions. Two will work. Does it change from seven samurai to a heist? Maybe. I think it's a little different. Like breaking an occupation isn't exactly like a heist. You know, we'll have to see. What other, what other secrets have occurred? So... Are there any areas of resistance out there? There are rumors of pockets of resistance out in the be out in the what's it called? Not the beyond the the steadfast who fled their cities before the arrival of the fourth empire. I think they did learn about where did I, I, I can't remember. Let's see. Let's take a look at my last session game. Old session notes. Oh, they were right there. My April 3rd notes. Did I already build up a place where the hex is? Fourth Emperor created the hex as a more efficient way of controlling sentience. It was essentially the mind manipulation nanos, but it could spread. It turned out to be a mistake. Yeah, this, the, temp, the tomb of the sixth, sixth archivist. So we're going to put that in as a secret and it could be another choice which is travel to the archive travel to the tomb of the six archivist to learn more about the hex the wakester asks do i think that this event changes when i will finish the campaign probably not i actually think a lot of the main beats are going to be similar it's just that the scale is different so when they have to go they still have to worry about how to shut down the I don't think so. I don't think it's going to change the timeline. I can I can flex the timeline pretty well. And I think we talked about something like six weeks, you know, six to eight sessions, give or take before the end of this campaign. I think that's what we're aiming for now. That I think that will feel right. It could be faster, though. This could actually speed things up, right? This could make everything more urgent and more has to be done. And there's sort of like different paths they can take. I think that like, how can they succeed in this situation? There's two paths that I see. And one is figuring out how to hack all of this stuff inside the data sphere is one way. Can they get control over elements of the fourth empire's data sphere holdings? And then like, you know, you can shut down, you don't have to shut down one skybreaker. You can shut all the skybreakers down if you can get control to their network, right? Same way with the, the, the you know, can you destroy the temples or, or control the, control the heralds, right? You can control the heralds if you can get access to their data network. So so that's one way. The other way, though, is like they can get control of the satellites that are up above. And now they'll have like, hey, we've got, you know, a couple hundred satellites that are each armed with 50 
tactical nuclear warheads. So we can just pinpoint where we want to send these. And like we find out where the Oragulans are getting made, we blow it up or we blow up the skybreakers, right? We can, so like they can get control of these things that give them this huge edge. The other one is the hex that there's this whole sort of antivirus of uh, antivirus virus that can wreck you know, had because it did right it destroyed the fourth emperor the first time so they could release it and destroy it again but would that end up destroying all life on the planet too how can they change that right so i think that there's like a m- multiple sort of end game opportunities and i'll kind of see which ones we go with and and things will will flow you know we'll 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 see how that how that plays out but yeah i think six to eight weeks is probably about right and then i want to get back to some normal D, like uh, scarlet citadel or empire of the ghouls i think i want to run one of those two i think i'm excited to run one of those two campaigns next so those are pretty good for the choices right i think i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave that so i've got a good strong start We've got, I've reviewed the characters. I can check that box. Boop. I got scenes, secrets and clues. What other secrets do we have? Terrence, so I have Terrence is alive, right? Terrence is alive in the data sphere. It's a copy of his own persona. So I got that. Any other, the data sphere of the fourth empire, of the fourth emperor is controlled by its own, oh, is layered, right? One cannot simply shut down the one cannot simply shut down the uh, skybreakers if they connect. They have to have access to do so. Only the heralds can shut down the skybreaker, which which means one needs to control to hack the her- a herald to break the skybreakers. So there's like layers of access. There's layers of things that you have to do in the data sphere in order to break it. Some layers of the skybreaker network of the of the FE we'll call it the FE network FE data sphere the, the Fed right. Some layers of the Fed require physical access and physical keys to prevent pure in data sphere hacking all right that's good what else the 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 the, the fe controls how many satellites would you have to have to cover the entire planet how many let's let's do let's do some research to cover the whole planet you would need three GPS in order to see the entire globe at once. Is that right? You probably need more than that. Oh, that's interesting. Three satellites in geostationary orbit would cover the whole Earth. So now let's go with that, right? I think three geo, three large geostationary satellites loaded with, they're very old, old world weapons that it uses to control or destroy the earth. It probably has six, right? Three primary, three backups. That's cool. What else? So those are something else to hack, right? One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four. I need one more secret and then I will feel good. One remaining secret, something they could learn. 
about this situation? What other things could they find out? How about the fourth empire is limited in nano production? It's building nano forges, but it takes a long time. That's pretty good. So location-wise, we have Badrav. We have the Tomb of the Six Archivists. We have, I think that like them returning to Faradon and we have Scarlet, we have Scarlet Watch, Village of the First Ones. Were there any other locations I was playing? I need to do like data sphere stuff. So we have like Terence's data sphere, right? Where he, where he copied himself. And I think like we have like the Faradon's data sphere npcs boy do we have a lot of npcs i don't you know i don't think i need to list them all because i've got them in this so i think i'm not going to bother listing them monsters i've got my standard list we're gonna we're gonna link to that which is my fourth emperor bestiary right i created a bestiary of fourth emperor monsters that fit the fourth empire Fourth Emperor Bestiary. That that covers me. I can I can I can hit a lot of stuff there. A treasure I roll. And they already got some major treasure. So the reality is I don't know. Like so much can happen. This is gonna be such like a free flowing session. I've got a lot of good stuff here, and I think I've got good ways for them to go. Uh, I think I will take a little bit of time to roll up some potential locations and encounters if they travel, if they're traveling places, right? So let's, uh, we're going to grab the bestiary three because it's always kind of fun to roll these. So we'll, we'll, we'll do a, a travel location, right? And we will start with some rolls on the science fantasy generator table. So this is like things, you know, as they're traveling from one place to another, Maybe we'll do a couple of these. It would be cool if they had a couple of places that they would be able to see. So we're going to grab a bunch of dice. How many do I need? I need a monument. I need four dice. Let's get this in front of here. And this is going to be for a monument that they run into. And then a condition, description, and origin. 16, 2, 1, and 20. So we have a monument. Okay. We have a two, an acidic monument, a one, an acidic broken monument. That's kind of interesting. Uh, a superhuman acidic broken monument. Let's write that down. That's interesting. And who's there? What kind of what kind of monsters are or, or monsters? What kind of creatures are there? Let's go to our bestiary. Pull up our bestiary three. I probably should have had that. Numenera bestiary three. And we go with, they have like in different locations, but usually overland. There's ruins, of course. But I like sort of the plains and desert is, is what I mostly see this location at. So first we roll on a table, table A or table B. Table odds is table A. I rolled an odd number, so it's table A. And then I roll a D100. And I rolled a 21, oh, I'm sorry, a 12. So 12 is a Babrisa. Well, I don't know what that is. It is a diamond thing. Diamond things appear in Numenera Destiny. Ah, so I got to pull up Destiny now. All right. A lot of different books. 
Destiny, Numenera Destiny. Destiny is a book I don't use that often. I don't have enough room in my desk. What was it called? B-A-B-I-R, Babursa. Ooh, look at that thing. 254 of Destiny. Discovery, uh, yeah, Destiny. 254, okay, so that's kind of cool. Let's do another monument. It would be great if the random table told you what what book they were what book they were on. So we roll again. Oops. Uh oh. Uh, I roll an even, so that's table B. Go to my. I guess I'm starting with the, and then we roll D100. 60. That is a little plus sign. Ninth world bestiary two. It's kind of a pain having so many different monster books. But you also get very, ooh, powerful. In active during phases, your Saitor awake during natural disasters to add to the mayhem. Perhaps they are the cause. They also are drawn to entities of great power to which they offer their services. Ooh, a Saitor. Wow. Saitor could be a cool. I'm going to take a snapshot. This guy. This is on Bestiary 2, page 156. So, it is a mean thing, but where? Let's go to our quick, quick location thing. I need my 3D, 4D20s. And we have, don't, don't move the dice, 15, 4, 20, and 4. 15, a launch pad, 4. A frozen launch pad, 20. A moss-covered frozen launch pad, and four of a quad. This is where the dolphins took off, right? The dolphins are like, hey, we're out. Thanks for all the fish. It could be submerged, right? So we have a moss-covered aquatic launch pad. Uh, and what was the first one? I, I, I lost track of what one of the ones. Frozen, right? Yeah, so it's like an underwater launch pad. Or, yeah. Where they run into a Cytor. Being the Cytor looks really cool. This this could be like a whole theme. Inactive during rest phases that can last for years at a time. Cytor is awake during natural disasters to add to the mayhem, or perhaps they are the cause. Also drawn to entities of great power to which they offer their services. Cytor seem made for war. Luckily, they are rare and few. They stand 15 feet and are oddly proportioned humanoids permanently bonded to a metallic suit studded with various curious devices. So I think that, yeah, a group of three of them would be tough. In combat, they uh, animate tendrils that lash out nearby foes. I like the Saitor a lot. I think that that would be a cool monster. So we will keep that on hand. So I've got a couple like location encounters, right? Why would a Saitor, if, 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 so I like the idea that the Saitors came out and now support the fourth empire, right? Why would they come after the characters necessarily? Would they bother? Like I, I still go with the idea that like the fourth emperor doesn't even care about the characters yet. They haven't done anything for the characters to care about. How about a Saitor chasing a group of escaped nanos? Right? That would send a Saitor out for that. Pretty cool. So do I feel like I have enough for today's game? Uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's going to be fun. It's just fun to, to to riff with the players and think about think about this stuff. You know, I think that that could be, I think that that could be really cool. So I think I've got plans for where they could go. Do I have a map for like the village the, the village yet? 
I have a picture. I should go get a map of the of the Scarlet Watch. So let's go to Dyson. Go to Dyson's maps. Dyson is the best. Thank you, Dyson, for all that you do for our hobby. Oh no, Dyson, your map. Oh, there it is. Too many maps. And we go down and we're looking for. I think he's. I think I could actually categorize by types, cities and towns. It could be just a small town like that. I don't think it's walled. This one's pretty good. Let's take a look at that. Oh, it's, it's fortified. Yeah, we don't need a fortified town. Apple Tree Pond. That's pretty good. I think that I think that'll do. So we will open the image in a new tab. We will copy that. It looks like an old map, but it serves. And we paste it into here and we say embed the image. But I think that there's a location under. So we need two locations tied to, this is probably something worth spending a little time on. Where did the, where did the Orgolians take the nanos that they took from this town to turn them into, to turn them into walkers of beyond? The town is being attacked soon. No, is, is occupied by Oragulians. That changed because 14 months have passed. So I think there's a hidden there's a hidden place under the town probably, right? Let's go back to. This looks pretty cool. Stepping Lake Cave, right? Oh, I use this. I use this for another. I use this for another adventure before. Yeah, I think under the lake, right? There's like a secret set of caves and stuff that go underneath the lake. And there's actually old old ruins under there, ruins under the lake, embed. And that's where some, you know, like the characters could like help people. Maybe there's people that have escaped and they're under there. That could be cool as opposed to new ruins. But then the other location that I want to figure out is where they're taking the nanos. See, I, I, I threw a bunch of like pictures of places that I thought might be cool here. It could be another temple. Could it be another I have the Skybreakers. It could be the Temple of Cylindar. Andar. That could be a fun one. The Temple of Krosta. I have these temples of the... This might be a good one. The Temple of Slyandar. We'll say that they're going there. They were taken to the... The, the, the Nanos of Scarlet Watch were taken to the Temple of Slyandar. That works. Which is another... And then there's a Herald for Slyandar, right? Do I have a Herald? A Slyandar Herald? I guess I'd be under NPCs. Well, let's go back here. It's people were taken to the temple of Slyandar for processing. It probably took a long time to get the nano forges fired up in the temple of Slyandar, which is why they have not all been turned yet, even though it's been almost a year. And probably the nanos that are there have been sort of enslaved by Orgolians and other ones to build, rebuild the nano forges so that then they could become heralds. That works. Let's get a map. The map of the temple of Slyandar. Ooh, look at this. Alrighty. See, I, the thing about that, oh, I love it, right? Oh, I love it. Think about Dyson maps is you immediately find cool maps. It takes no time at all to find a cool map. And I don't need to start filling this out with occupants yet. Hey, look, nanoforges, right? I don't need to fill it with with occupants yet. I can I can almost, if I needed to, I could improvise it. But yeah, that's perfect. And the idea that this 
this layout here for the Temple of Slyandar and the layout for the Temple of Faradon, where's that? Like they kind of look similar a little bit. They have like these halls with pillars and like things on the side that would make kind of sense that like the, 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 the temples of these heralds uh, would be constructed somewhat similar to one another, you know? So I think, I think that that works. Uh, I think that that works really well. So I think I've got lots of material today to go with. Oh, I was going to see if I have a Slyandar. Yeah. The second Herald. Yeah. Cool. There's another Herald there. That's probably a secret worth dropping in is like the heralds think of, of sentience as little more than collections of biological matter. They pay about as much attention to sentience, to the behavior of individual sentience as a sentient pays to each molecule of mold only worth paying attention when a lot of it goes away you don't want it to go right so the sentience are, or the, the the heralds are really like super consciousnesses way higher than sentience and they don't really think about sentience and like they're like ah they're just little you know they're just like mold growing and like you know if the mold goes out of hand you spray it with some stuff right and you spray it and then the mold dies they don't think about like oh that one rebellious molecule of mold is going to cause all this problems they're like mold can't do that right so they i think that they they're not thinking about the power of the individual and so it means you can do a lot before a sentient, before one of the heralds, you know, you can do a lot before a herald pays attention to you. Pretty good. So I got lots of stuff. I got, you know, anyway, it's just such a fascinating way for this story to go. It's really exciting. And, you know, I am, I am, I'm really happy with this. I hope the players really dig it. I hope that things don't go badly. I, I think we'll be okay. And I've got a fair bit of material for today's game. Treasure, I like just rolling on the cipher tables. You know, that I've, I, I don't really need to spell out a lot of treasure. I did give some good permanent treasure to, to, to players. So yeah, so I've got a lot going on here. So I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know it was a fun one. Some really interesting things that happened today. Really sort of campaign shaking events that I think we can all learn from. You're probably going to hear more about this. The idea of resilient versus fragile campaigns. The, you know, jumping 14 months. I already wrote an article about it that will probably be up as a newsletter sometime. By the way, if you want to help me out, subscribe to the Slide Flourish. So we're going to talk more about this in the future, but it's really great. So I want to thank everybody for coming. If you enjoyed the show, as I said, you can subscribe to the Slide Flourish newsletter. You can support me directly on Patreon. You can pick up any of my books uh, or you can subscribe to my videos on YouTube. Thank you all very much. Have a great day and get out there and play a RPG. Bye everybody. <laughs>